Hey everyone, I'm Jeff St. Pierre, the host of the Adult Education Podcast. First of all, thank you so much for listening and subscribing and being a part of this uh, this whole community that we have here. It's summertime, so things have been a little hectic in my household. Because of that, I don't have a brand new episode for you. So I'm going to dig back to one of my earlier episodes. I started this podcast back in 2020, so there are probably a lot of episodes that newer listeners haven't had a chance to hear. This is one of my favorites. It's a conversation with Maria Aline. She's a public speaker, an author, and the CEO of Changing Attitudes. As her bio says, she's doing what she can to inspire a conversation about pornography. I first posted this conversation right around the 2020 election, and I've always thought it deserved another chance to be heard. So here we are. Also, really quick before we uh, do this, I'm just reposting the entire episode. So you may hear me reference the name Be More Well podcast. That was the original name of the show, but I changed it over to Adult Education shortly after this conversation, actually. So don't be confused. This is still the Adult Education podcast. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Maria Aline. And so what I really see as one of the, I guess you could call it the main problems here, is that porn actually gets to set the standard for what you and I want to do. Instead of us having that choice and that power to, you know, develop for ourselves and to kind of be curious and, you know, dive into sex as a thing that you can really enjoy. But then you're not even allowed to kind of do that. Like, so instead porn actually just sweeps in and tells you what you're supposed to be turned on by. And so to me, it's a, it's a matter of power. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to episode 28 of Be More Well. I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this week, my guest is Maria Aline. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, welcome back. Thank you for taking some time out of your day. If this is your first time checking out the show, I appreciate you. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast that was created after I woke up one morning and thought, man, I just... I just don't feel right and I need to make some changes, but where do I start? There's so much information and books and YouTube speeches with advice. So I wanted to talk to people about their stories and how they find wellness and mindfulness in their lives. On Be More Well, you can expect to hear conversations with doctors, musicians, athletes, authors, and everyday people that are fighting the fight to become the best possible versions of themselves. My hope here is that you'll find some inspiration from my guests. I know I do. Don't forget to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're listening on right now. That way you'll be notified about the latest episodes and you can go back through older ones as well. And please feel free to leave a rating and review while you're here. I really appreciate that. As I just said, this podcast circles around wellness. So what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about wellness? Usually it's things like mental health, physical health, and fitness, right? Well, that all makes sense. But there are some other pieces to this puzzle that don't get as much press. I came across one while surfing YouTube one day. I had watched a few TED Talks, so I guess YouTube was throwing some new ones at me they thought I would like. One of the titles did catch my eye, though, so I figured I'd give it a shot. What ended up happening was my eyes were open to something that I had never really considered, and it's something that needs to be talked about. That video was a TEDx talk called Let's Talk Porn by Maria Aline. Yeah, we're talking about porn today. Like I said, the topic was something I hadn't really thought about. But the more Maria spoke in her talk, the more I realized there's something bigger going on here. Porn consumption is at an all-time high because it's so readily available to anyone that wants it. A simple Google search can bring you unlimited options. And kids are seeing porn at extremely early ages. We actually talk in the interview about how there was a day when buying your first magazine was almost a rite of passage for young men, right? Now elementary school kids are coming across porn on the internet while they do their homework. 
And I know some of you listening right now may be thinking, so what? It's just porn. Well, porn usage has been found to have massive impacts on the brain. In fact, it's shown similar effects to some drugs. And it's been linked to things like erectile dysfunction and depression. Not only that, but porn changes the way people feel about sex and their bodies. Maria's work has found that women now are not only expected to do certain things that have become normalized in porn, but they themselves believe that's what they're supposed to like because the women in porn do. It's really a dangerous cycle. So porn is a topic that we need to discuss instead of pretending that it just doesn't exist. And that's why we're doing it today. Joining me is Maria Aline. She's a public speaker, author, and educator. And she spent the last few years of her life diving into the subject of porn. That's led her to delivering hundreds of public talks, writing one book, and second is on the way next year that we'll talk about in the interview. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I've been waiting a long time to talk to Maria. I'm so glad that it finally happened. Hey. Hi. How's it going? Good. I didn't even have to type in my password that you gave me. Well, look at that. What an easy day for you. Yes. So how are you? Doing great. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's getting to be uh, close to winter now. So the weather is starting to shift for us. How are things? In, you're still in Sweden? Yes. Okay. Still in Sweden. Actually, I mean, it's uh, today. It's like so just gray, mm. and but I mean, it's been like the most beautiful summer, and yeah. So I mean, and the leaves are kind of still here, but they're also leaving. So I'm getting ready for a typical Swedish, you know, fall slash winter. Yes. <laughs> this is totally off topic of what I want to talk about, but uh, I've been kind of curious because people here in America, especially people further north. As the winter starts to come in, the daylight hours shrink. So you have more darkness yeah. than you have light. And people get really depressed about it and they get really yeah. like angry about it. But every yeah. time a ranking comes out, we always see those northern countries in Europe as the happiest countries in the world. But you deal with more darkness than we do. So so why is there such a big difference? What are you doing differently that makes it oh so much God. easier? That is so interesting. Well, I guess number one, I you know, we're probably used to it. Mm. Um and then also, I don't know the specific, I guess, studies or, you know, when they've kind of looked at that, but I guess like they would probably have measured other stuff as well. So, I mean, the quality of life here is obviously very high mm. and you always feel very, uh, like for me, I always feel so safe in terms of if I were to be sick or if something were to happen, like I'd never, um, I mean, you should never say never, but I'd probably never go into hom homelessness or like, you know, there's a system here that will actually take care of you. So I guess, I don't know, I guess people feel safe in a way then. And that, I guess, affects your mood or something. That's just a guess. I'm sure it's all tied <laughs> together somehow, but it is yeah. interesting how that always happens. <laughs> and actually, I have a lot of friends from um, one of my best friends. She's half Moroccan. And so her father, well, actually, I'm Norwegian. And so is she and then half Moroccan. And so we grew up together in Norway and when he, when her father would move from Morocco to Norway, he got super, super depressed. And oh, the wow. same thing happened basically to all of her family members moving because, you know, they're so used to the light. And then once they get here, you know, it's just darkness. Yeah. So but we are just used to darkness. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the moral of the story. You're just used to it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always say. I'm like, just deal with it. It happens every year. Why is that such a right. big deal? <laughs> You're right. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, Maria, it is so good to finally catch up with you. I know we've had to uh, postpone a couple of times, uh, so I appreciate you making some time uh, to talk to me yeah. about this because I came across this fascinating YouTube video, uh, a TEDx talk that you gave, and it really it struck a lot of different chords in my head because I think when people talk about the idea of, say, wellness and health, they talk about physical health or your diet and all, but, but no one ever talks about porn. And at first I was like, well, why would they? But then I watched your TED talk and I was like, but this is a serious thing that has many implications on a person's brain, body, everything. And I was like, why, why aren't people talking more about this? Right. I agree. That's, that's what I keep asking myself as well. I'm like, why, why is there such a silence here? Mm. When number one, people are consuming so much porn and number two, it has such effects, just as you're saying, in terms of, you know, health effects. And so then, you know, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't add up to me, the silence, you know. How did you find yourself, before we dive into some of this stuff, how did you find yourself sort of on this crusade? Right. Um, like, honestly, I'm not really sure to kind of like say when the actual kind of, I guess, like my story with this issue, when that really started. There's like bits and pieces here and there, but... I guess it started when I moved from uh, from Norway to Sweden and when I then attended my final year um, in high school, you could say the translation would be. And then doing my final year project, I decided to focus on basically like the sex industry and just, yeah. And uh, that kind of led into the issue of porn in a way. But then that also kind of, I guess... Like it took a few years, even for me, because I was like, okay, this issue, okay, sure. But I don't know, it was still, I, I didn't get it, to be honest, I did not get it. And so a couple of years later, I was doing a talk and I was actually asked to speak about porn. And that was the first time ever that I was asked yeah. to speak about that. And so I was in my room preparing for, for the talk and I was just thinking to myself, okay, if I'm going to... If I'm going to talk about this, I need to kind of know what I, you know, what's available out there. And so I just, I Googled porn. That was kind of like my first time. I was just, I don't know, 20 something Googling it. And then just to kind of see what is the first thing that's going to pop up. So, you know, if you're 12 year old and you're Googling porn, like, what are you going to see? Sure. I'm not going to go into like total detail here, but it was quite, um, I mean, aggressive, to be honest. Yeah. It was... One of the movies was one girl and I guess like five or six guys and they were just slapping her around, choking her, pulling her hair, spitting, biting, like all of that stuff. And that was the first film that I ever, like type in porn, first sight, first uh, video. That was the first result. And then when I did the talk, um, the the people arranging it actually told me we don't think so many people are going to come uh, you know going to show up actually so prepare yourself because this is not really we're not really sure about this topic yeah but i mean it turned out to be one of their i guess like we had to bring in extra chairs like kids were sitting on the floor there was wow. just so many young people interested and then afterwards there was this line of people who wanted to to speak and who wanted to kind of like share their stories and this one guy yeah, he basically shared his whole story with addiction. So that really uh, stuck with me. So I guess it's like, you know, these special moments, I guess, looking back, that has kind of led to to me being on fire uh, for this issue. 
and there's so many different layers to it. I mean, the, the word porn can en- encompass so I mean, it's the workers, it's the videos, it's yeah. what goes on. It's addiction too. And that's another one that I, I think when people hear from someone that they have a sex addiction or they have a porn addiction, everyone's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like, okay. Yeah. You, you like something that makes you feel good, whatever, but it's a legitimate thing. I mean, it's a real thing that I think gets shrugged off by a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's kind of like what I'm getting as well in terms of, um, cause whenever I post something on say, you know, Instagram about addiction, like the DMS will be just, you know, um, these long, long stories, you know, message after message with especially guys then writing and sharing about just like the hurt that is just yeah. so prevalent in all these messages. And not only the hurt, but I think a lot of people are in a place of um, secrecy and silence in terms of, have, you know, they've never shared this with anyone. Like, I get that all the time. Like, this is the first time I'm sharing this and I don't even know you, but like, you're the first person that I ever heard talking about this and now I just have to, you know? So what I really see is just like the lack of conversation. Cause I think when, you know, when you don't talk about it, obviously it's not even normalized then to talk about addiction, of course, because like who has a problem with something that doesn't even exist, you know? Right. So, yeah. So I think just, you know, creating awareness and just like having the conversation really, I hope will be able to help a lot of people with their um, addiction. It's interesting too, because the, I feel like, well, there's always been a stigma about it, but the stigma has changed as it's become more available. Like when I was a teenage boy in the late nineties, I mean, it was a rite of passage to get your first magazine, you know, or you were waiting, right. the internet was still dial up phone lines. So you had to wait for the image to come, you know, it was what you did when right. you were 14 years old, you got, you know, but now, like you said, you can just Google something and it's so yeah. easily accessible to everyone. And I feel like the stigma has changed where people are, are way more embarrassed to talk about it now than maybe they were before. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, I kind of, I, I see both sides there. I see on one side, I totally see that, like what you're saying in terms of uh, the secrecy. And I think that is kind of, I mean, that is a parallel to the amount of porn that is just as you're saying, accessible to all of us. So then, cause that is going to have consequences in terms of, yeah addiction or other you know health consequences so yes for sure but i also do see a lot of a lot of conversation happening as well which is so encouraging uh and i really think there's just this need for conversation that's what i'm getting when i'm again when i'm getting all these messages i'm just like oh my god there are so many people out there who are just dying to talk about this and that's where they're reaching out for you know to this random person who just mentioned it you know for 15 minutes in a ted talk you know what i mean so it's just there is just this huge um yeah need and, and gap i guess it is funny too because when i watch your ted talk you know how youtube and google work when you watch one video about something they start giving you videos they think you're gonna like and and a lot more TEDx talks from other places came up of people talking about their addiction or about the mental effects or whatever. And I was like, there is so much out here. And it just seems like this hidden thing that people that people aren't talking about, but there really, there really is so much. So I, I love the fact that there are people yeah. like trying to spread yeah. the word and talk more about yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not the first person. So that is like, I'm totally honoring the people who have gone before me and who have spoken about this. There are so many, especially like looking back at, uh, you know, the women's movement and like there's so many women uh, and in research and, and, you know, writing 
in in books and all of it who has really talked about porn way before the internet you know so even yeah. even back then they would be um able to kind of give an analysis of of the possible harms and health effects so yes i'm applauding everyone who's kind of um gone before me yeah you do a lot of work with younger people too, with teenagers and high school students. And I think it's so important, especially now because of the accessibility, because there was a time where you could get a magazine, you'd read the whole magazine and be done with it, right? But now yeah. you could get lost on the internet for days and days and yeah. days and never see the same thing twice. How is that impacting the minds of young kids now? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, Obviously, it's shaping their minds, it's shaping their brains, and it's kind of altering uh, their, uh, in terms of like what actually turns them on. So it's kind of changing, yeah, it's changing what your brain finds exciting, uh, especially like in terms of sexual content. It's really uh, rewiring your brain. Yeah. And the younger you are, obviously, the higher the risk of actually developing a addiction or at least like, you know, a... a um, a state where you're kind of it's 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 forced in a way like you feel that you have kind of lost control that combined with so many adults not even talking about porn with kids and youth I think that gap is just that's what we're kind of seeing the consequences of um, now and we will see it I mean I would argue there's really a social experiment going on right now in terms of just leaving all of this open to kids and youth and not even talking about, you know, yeah. what they're actually seeing. And I think, you know, in terms of in terms of like porn specifically, that is created by adults, yet kids are accessing it. And once they're access accessing it, you know, the adults are kind of like just, you know, I'm out of here, you know, you, you yeah. deal with it. And so that I think it's uh, it's unfair to to the, the, you know, the younger generations. I think there's a mental impression too that porn is used primarily by men. So, and I know that's not necessarily true, but let's play with that for just a second. Sure. If men are the ones that are, you know, watching porn and using porn, how does that impact women and the way they react to men? I mean, I'm sure that that has like, you know, a, a give and take there where women now feel pressure to do certain things or be a certain way because of what the men are expecting based on what yeah. they see. Yes, for sure. The foundation of that is actually, if you're getting what I'm saying, it's it's kind of beautiful in a way that you actually have people who just want to do what is right. You know what I mean? So as a woman in today's society, you're just like, okay, I'm just trying to please this person. I'm just trying to be my best self. Sure. And you know, what porn then does and porn culture, it actually kind of uh, manipulates this actually foundational, beautiful thing really. Um, and just kind of takes that and then, you know, you're left with, with young girls thinking that, you know, if I want to be performing, uh, the way I should perform, you know, in bed, uh, or in the kitchen, <laughs> then, you know, I have to do certain things that maybe I'm not actually even comfortable with, but, you know, I have to not only perform certain things, but I also have to ask for certain things. So that's what I'm getting a lot as well. And even guys telling me that, but Maria, you, you have to get this, that it's not only we as men or as guys who are kind of choking our, our girls, the girls are asking us to choke, to, you know, to choke them. Right. So that's kind of, you know, that's another circle, I guess, um, which is complicated and complex. And 
to me, it's all about like power and like just having a positive outlook on sexuality and on sex. And so what I really see as one of the, I guess you could call it the main problems here is that porn and, you know, the porn industry actually gets to set the standard for what you and I want to do to ourselves or to another person. So instead of us having that choice and that power to kind of, you know, develop for ourselves and to kind of, you know, be curious and, you know, just kind of dive into sex as a fun and, you know, as, as a thing that you can really just enjoy. But then you're not even allowed to kind of do that. Like, so instead porn actually just sweeps in and tells you what you're supposed to be turned on by. And so to me, it's a, it's a matter of power. Yeah, especially if it's sweeping in when you are younger because it sets that standard so at such a young age. And, you know, so if then, you know, say you're a young man and you have this impression and you're not finding what you're looking for from the women that you're meeting, now that has physical effects on you too because now you're like, well, this isn't really doing what I thought it was going to do. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's weird yeah. how the whole cycle works. Yes, for sure. And just, you know, with the whole stereotype porn that is today's mainstream porn, you know, the you know they have the guys who are just... So, um, you know, well hung, they're huge, they can perform forever, you know, they're, you know, they never get tired. Um, and then you have the girls who just, they can take everything and nothing hurts. And if it hurts, she actually likes it. And, you know, it's just so stereotyped uh, in many ways. And it creates expectations and it really, it, it shapes today's uh, sexuality um, in a way that I'm not really sure uh, if kids and youth actually even enjoy it. You know, it's, it's, you kind of forget about yourself and your partner and porn is really the focus or porn culture and the expectations coming from that. I think expectations is such a good word to use. Like, I think there, there are just so many different levels of expectations now because of what has become so readily available for people to see and to experience. And that's, and that's so crazy. Like you're not just living your life and having those awkward moments, whatever, like there's an expectation that I'm going to show up and this is going to happen. And that's, and it's, it's wild. Right. And you're also expected to be the best at it right from the start. But I mean, if I were to, because I don't have a driver's license, I have to be honest, <laughs> I should do it, but I've not done it. I've done other more important stuff. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, I have. <laughs> That's at least what I'm telling myself. Uh, but like, you know, if I were to do the driver's license, I would be totally fine with being super, super bad at driving in the beginning. You know, like nobody would expect me to know everything. They'd rather expect me to suck, basically, you know. But when it comes to sex, you're kind of, you have to be this, you know, porn star right from the beginning, you know. So to kind of not be able to explore and to just, you know, there's no room for, you know, improvement or exploration. So again, that is, I think, a matter of power and it's a matter of, I would say, even sexual rights because young people have that right to explore for themselves instead of porn um, deciding for them. What's also interesting about the accessibility aspect is how some of the companies, I mean, there's larger companies like, say, Pornhub is a massive company, but they've gotten press, you know, they get media attention, which is weird because I mean, outside of Playboy or something before you would never see the media talking about pornography the way that, I mean, uh, Pornhub was actually talking about sponsoring a stadium, like one of our football stadiums. It was going to, I forget which team it was going to be, but it was going to be the Pornhub stadium for whatever football team it was. And I'm like, can you imagine 
like hmm. going to a football hmm. game and walking into Pornhub Stadium. I just hmm. can't even imagine. But that's that's where the world has shifted to this point where you've got right. a company that's worth so much money. They're willing to invest in that and people are willing to take the money. Yes, exactly. And it really is all about the money. Uh, yeah, you're totally right. And I think what you're mentioning now really is that is porn culture. You know, that is the porn industry becoming mainstream and then kind of uh, not only you know, operating parallel to pop culture, but really influencing pop, you know, pop culture and really, you know, the spillover effect in terms of uh, influencing movies and the fitness industry and music and, you know, whatever business. So I'm not surprised. I have to be honest, I'm not surprised, but I do see, you know, in terms of, I mean, look at Pornhub's, uh, Pornhub Awards. Look at the artists that they've had, you know, as performers and the collabs they've done with other, you know, famous people. And so they know what they're doing. I have to give them that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they know what they're doing, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I really think it's just so interesting to see just how eager they are to be mainstream. Because I do really think that they actually realize the power of becoming mainstream. Because, I mean, look at... There was this guy called Max Hardcore, you know, many years back, and he was kind of famous for doing very hardcore porn, but that was still considered, you know, the outcast porn. That was just, that was mainstream. That was kind of, he was shady. And so that was it. But now he's, I mean, he's basically softcore, Max softcore <laughs> today, yeah. because, you know, and I think there was a quote from a porn producer saying that, you know, Basically, what we've kind of got left to do to women today is kill them, you know, that's like because we've yeah. done it all. So today's mainstream porn really is um, aggressive, uh, verbally aggressive, physically aggressive. Uh, there's an old study that looked at uh, that was a U.S. study and it looked at um, basically only rentals, uh, rental movies and, and paid for movies. So it picked out 50 uh, of the most popular movies and kind of like looked at the scenes and found that most of them contained physical or verbal aggression. And that was like years ago. So imagine, imagine today. Yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine. And, and you make a really good point. Right. Like as things have progressed, you have to keep trying to find, I mean, like with any business, you got to find the next thing. Like what, what's going yeah. to be next? People, people are going to get bored if they keep seeing the same thing over and over again. So how do you push it? And it is, it's kind of frightening to hear you talk about that. Like, what is the next step going to be, you know? Right. I was actually listening to, because to, Pornhub has a podcast as well. So I, I'm, I'm usually listening okay. to that as well. And so I was listening to one this morning with the host of that podcast. And basically she is saying that incest isn't, it isn't so bad. So you have to also, I think, look at the people who are running Pornhub, you know, the spokesperson and to kind of like, you know, look at their uh, attitudes towards yeah. uh, women or whatever it is, even men. And I really think, like, if I were a guy, I'd be, like, pissed off at Pornhub, you know? Because, I mean, are, are you know, is this kind of the, the way you're viewing me as a guy? You think that the only thing I want to do is to slap someone around? You know what I mean? So it's really... Right. Uh, I'd be critical to Pornhub if I were if I were the, the target, which most guys are today. I'm, I'm like, a part of me is glad that I don't know more about them. And part of me is mad that I don't know more about them. Like, I feel right. like I want to know more so I can understand it. But I also am like, I don't really want to know more. And I, that's probably, you know, bad to be apathetic in that way, you know, from my standpoint. But it's, it's, it is, 
I don't know. It's one of those things. I'm like, I feel like if I dive deep, like what you're doing, I'm just going to get really depressed about it. <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, there are times as well when I'm like, oh my God, like, where is this even going to end? Like, it's and how... be heavy for you. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. And what is interesting that I've never felt that heaviness before. Uh, when I was younger, I I never felt it, but I would constantly be asked about it. Like, do you ever feel, you know, do you ever feel like it's hopeless or something? And I would be like, no, what are you, like, what are you even talking about? Of course, it's not hopeless. Uh, but I, I, of course, I still feel that we can do this. You know, bigger things have been done in, in history. But there is a part of me that is kind of feeling the weight of it um, in a different way today than I was feeling when I was 17 or 18, starting doing this work. And actually there was this moment and that was probably my first time. I was, it was right after the TEDx talk had been dropped and my Instagram would just blow up with DMs. And I was in my kitchen alone and I was basically just, I was just scrolling to this, these messages from all over the world, like Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, India, you know, the US, Australia, Sweden, whatever. And I was just like, whoa, this topic and this issue is so huge. So I was really like for 15 minutes, I was just like, I just, you know, I just, (laughs) oh my God, I'm no, this is never gonna work. (laughs) But then I pick myself up and I'm back to being hopeful again. And I appreciate that you did. I actually almost DM'd yeah. you after watching it. I was like, there's no way she's going to read all these. That's why I went a little bit further and found Changing Attitudes and looked you up in, yeah, uh, that was smart. in different ways. So I'm like, I think this might be the better way to go. So I'm glad yeah. that it all worked out um, yeah. to get there. Now, now, I want to talk to you a little bit about your book, too, because now I know you're working on a second book, but your first book is not printed in English, so I have not been able to read it. Tell me a little bit about what the book is all about and the work that uh, you did in that. Uh, so the first book, uh, the English title, if we'd ever translate it, would be uh, Visual Drug. Uh, and the kind of the subtitle would be On Kids, Youth and Porn. And so what we actually did, we basically performed a lot of interviews with young people, especially. But also, you know, experts, researchers, uh, police officers, teachers, uh, psychologists, you name it. And basically did... To my knowledge, it's the first book ever written in Sweden about this issue in terms of how it's actually affecting young people's health. And that was really the focus, um, how it's affecting young people's health in terms of sexuality, attitudes, relationships. And then we also included uh, a lot about addiction and whether or not we can actually call it an addiction or not. And just kind of this, you know, the discussion around that, uh, which is why we chose to call it visual drug, because it really... That was what people were telling us, that this is a drug. Like, it feels like I could, you know, this might as well have been cocaine for me, you know? Like, I feel so consumed by this uh, visual drug. So, yes. There's, um, I don't know if you saw the documentary on Netflix. It's about social media. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of it right now. But uh, mm-hmm. in the, in it, they're talking about the dangers of social media. And somebody uses a quote. They say there's only two industries in the world that talk about their patrons as users. And it's the drug industry and the social media world. You're a Facebook user, you're an Instagram user. But I think there's three, because I think pornography is the same way. You are a porn user. And, and it's so, so when you say visual drug, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. I mean, it operates so many things in your brain that are the same thing that a drug would give you if you were to take that. Yeah, for sure. And that is so interesting that you mentioned that, because I've kind of 
like I started saying porn consumption and porn consumers, and I still use that. Uh, yeah. But I spoke to a guy and he actually told me that it's not just a consumption, it's it's a usage, just as what you're yeah. saying now. And he also said that you're not just a por- you know you know you're not just watching porn because uh, if you'd watch it, you wouldn't want to watch it. Like you know what I mean? Like in terms of if you really saw it, you you know. So actually, what you're doing is that you're using it in terms of you know the drug. Yeah, I mean, there, there are people that aren't going to yeah. sit around and go, man, I really need to watch James Bond today. But they'll say, I really right. need to watch porn today, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. So I think that the, the yeah, the word use is, is important. Yeah, I agree. I've noticed through your social media, you've also been doing a lot of work with women that are in the porn industry and trying to, to help them and, and get the education out there for them as well. So talk more about your work with that. Because I really felt like, you know what, if I'm going to be up on all these stages and I'm going to talk about this issue, like I started to feel like I was lacking the perspective of the industry. Uh, and I didn't just want to read about it. I actually wanted to talk to the people in it. And to be humble about it as well and to really like realize like I know 5% of this issue, you know, in terms of the industry. So I have a lot to learn from people within the industry. But then, you know, there's all, you know, this matter of am I always going to get the entire truth? You know, that's always going to be an issue, of course. But still, I was very just like, I felt really like open to it. I was just like, you know, teach me. So basically what I did is I started to reach out to a couple of people uh, and I went to a conference in D.C. and just like started to kind of like look into who had connections within the industry. And one thing that I actually really realized quite quickly and that kind of basically uh, a lot of organizations that I met uh, speaking about porn never or at least to me told me they didn't know anyone in the industry. And that really kind of. That's, I think that's part of the problem, you know, like you're talking about something, but you actually, you know, you've never talked to anyone who's actually affected by it in that way. Right. And so that was actually hard to, you know, to find people. But then eventually this one guy connected me to another guy. And then all of a sudden I got the very good connection with a former porn producer. And he then not only talked to me, uh, you know, several times, but also connected me to different people uh, within the industry. And it's still going on. I'm still you know, schedule in, you know, interviews and, yeah. and talks and yeah. And it's so interesting. I'm learning so, so much. And, you know, there are stuff that I had to change my mind about and I've done my best to really be um, open and to really be not judgmental, you know, and not come in with all these ideas about what I'm going to hear, but instead just be yeah, just shut up and listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that's basically what I've been doing. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, how do you feel now? We, we've been talking about porn, kind of the stereotypical, you know, scape of it where it's the videos, it's the sex. But how do you feel about the way social media has kind of come into this world, too? I, I was listening to someone in the fitness world talk about how online on social media, you can find some great workouts and great advice for how to get fit but also the fitness world on social media has kind of become like porn because you have all these people that are showing off their sexy outfits and trying to get likes. And it's almost like a new arm of porn to me. Right. That is, that is interesting. Um, and what is then also, I think interesting is that cause to me, it's never about the uh, specific individual doing something, you know, it's always about, uh, you know, the culture and more like the systemic parts of this. And so when I see that, 
my immediate reaction, you know, reaction is obviously, you know, if you want to do it, do like, you know, I'm not going to judge anyone for anything, basically. Um, but what I do see is that we have this culture and these standards, you know, I, you know, I identify as a woman or as a girl. And so to me, I know exactly what is kind of expected of me, you know, with the beauty industry and before this interview, you know, I did my mascara and I put up my hair and you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I have to do certain things. Otherwise you're going to think I look sick or tired. I'm you sorry. Know? I didn't do more. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's the culture. You didn't have to do more. That's exactly the point. So, you know, when I see that, I'm just like, actually what you did is you confirmed to the culture. And so I don't want to be critical of you. I want to be critical of the culture that made you feel like this was your only way to kind of present yourself. Uh, but again, if this is how you want to present yourself, go ahead and do it. But it's the same thing with porn. If you want to have a aggressive sex life, like go ahead. You know what I mean? That is not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is I want you to be able to choose for yourself. Yeah. Again, speaking of, you know, power and rights. So it's not really about what you actually do. It's about what you thought you had to do and what you actually wanted to do. So that's kind of my thing. In, in all of your interviews uh, with people, specifically with the women in porn, because I feel like there there are some names that you may see online or that you may see pop up as, uh, I guess, more mainstays or more popular names. But then there are people that probably come in and out really easy and really fast. I mean, do you find there's like an average shelf life? I mean, how does how does that work? Yes, three months. Three, wow, to be. three months? Yeah. That seems to be the average. At least that's what, I've never seen a study on it, but that's what people keep telling me over and over sure. again. That is the number I keep hearing. So three months uh, seems to be the time that someone would last. And the reasons for it, I think, are different. Um, partially, it has to do with basically the consumer getting tired and wanting more. And then also, I mean, if you're not kind of able to kind of build your brand and become this very famous person within those, yeah. I guess, three months, or, you know, if you're not kind of continuing and continuing to kind of like book jobs and, you know, um, then, I mean, then you're out, you know, then you're not interesting. Yeah. So you either have to really just make it with, you know, which most people won't do. And then if you don't, then it's like three months seems to be the average time. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so what's, what's next for you in your work? What are you moving towards here? Yeah. So I actually, yesterday I sent in my manuscript for my second book. I feel like I actually just laid down on the floor afterwards. I was just like, I just have to take a break here on the floor. <laughs> Cause I mean, that is such a heavy process to, to be honest, you know, to write a book. It is, um, I mean, yes, it's so much uh, just feelings and thoughts and you want to get it right. And yeah. And so I handed in that and I'm co-writing it with a friend of mine here in Sweden. Uh, so I think that's going to be so good, actually. And then uh, that is dropping probably, probably next fall, but we'll see okay. once we're done. Uh, and obviously about porn as well. You didn't shift and, and start also... talking about soccer on us? Right, no. Or, you know, about the mailman or something that my dog gets so upset about. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not going to write about that. <laughs> so it's going to be porn. It's going to be porn. Um, and then I think um, for next year, I I want to write more. Actually, it would be, you know, interesting to see what I could do with the TEDx talk and to perhaps develop that into something. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see. 
I mean, everything is shut down now and I can't be in LA. So I'm, I'm stuck in Sweden. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can just keep working. You know what? Let's be, I'll be honest yeah. with you. Things in America have not been going great lately. So I think I you're probably that. better off. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I'm getting as well. Oh my God. How are you doing in uh, this situation? You know, doing okay. Actually, my wife, uh, we found out we were pregnant just after all the shutdowns happened. So it th- it's, it's worked out great because she hasn't had to go to work. She's been able to work from home, which has been easier on her body um, because she's a teacher. So she doesn't have to stand up in front of all the kids all day long. She can kind of sit and relax and and do it that way. So timing wise, it's actually worked out pretty well for us in that regard. Um, But, you know, it's tough. It's tough not to hang out with people. And we're being really careful now, too, because Mm -hmm. I don't want to get it. Neither one of us wants to get it. But with her being pregnant, we definitely don't want to get it out of concern for that. So we've been really, you know, we haven't seen our parents, our families like we haven't seen much of anybody. So it's been a little I don't know. It's been a little tough on that regard. But um, we could Mm -hmm. be doing a lot worse. You know, I'll I'll take it. We're, We're fine in all things considered. Yeah, I hear you. Wow. But I mean, wow, you're going to remember this pregnancy. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to forget it. <laughs> Maria, when we started talking, I could see some sunshine out of your window. Now it is completely dark. So I, I know I've had you on here for a while. Uh, just really quick oh, before we wrap up, um, changing attitudes. Where can people mm-hmm. go to find out more information about what you're doing with changing attitudes? Yeah. Go on Instagram. That's the easiest part. Uh, just go on changing attitudes on Instagram or uh, changing attitudes.co. Uh, uh, online. Yes. And then, you know, that's where we kind of, uh, especially on Instagram, that's where we post a lot of facts. We try to post every day in terms of just sharing really fact-based knowledge, uh, when it comes to all these issues. And, uh, we also have a studio with a lot of merch and stuff like that, hoodies and, you know, whatever. So, um, yes. So that's all available online. You are also online too. So people want to find out more about you and what you're doing outside of changing attitudes, social media, probably the best way to go. Yes. A-H-L-I-N Maria. So that's my last name before Aline and Maria. Yes. Yeah. And it's Aline, right? Yes. I thought wow, so. You did that good. I, I wanted to make sure I was like, I'm going to screw this up. So I should probably wait and see if I hear her say it first. And then we'll oh, be you're so go. smart. <laughs> nobody gets it. You were kind of the first one. Yes. <laughs> I knew I'd do something good today. Well, Maria, I'm so glad we finally got a chance to connect. Uh, It's really been a pleasure. I I appreciate the work you're doing so much. I mean, it's opened my eyes in so many different ways into things that I I never thought about before. Like I told you at the beginning, I never thought I'd be having this conversation, but it makes so much sense. It ties into so many more things than I think anybody really knows. So I appreciate you fighting the good fight out there and and congratulations on the second book and, and everything. I mean, it sounds like things are going really well. Mm, that was so nice of you. Thank you. I'm just glad that, you know, that there's a conversation about to happen. That's kind of what I'm feeling. And so, you know, the requests in terms of podcasts have been, there's been a change there. I really see that. And that I think really speaks to the interest in this issue. So that makes me so happy. Yeah. Well, you're doing some good work. Hopefully the second book will come out in English and I'll, or I'll have to get a good translator. Yeah. Or you can just move to Sweden and learn Swedish. And I can try that. Yeah. <laughs> one um, day, one day. One day. It's on the list. 